uh, today uh, called the butterfly effect. And I don't know if you're familiar with the butterfly effect, but uh, basically it's chaos theory. It says, it has been said that something as small as the flutter of a butterfly's wing can ultimately cause a typhoon halfway around the world. This kind of idea of uh, how much do our actions or our decisions matter? I don't know if you've ever really thought about that. Is, is only the big decisions, do they only matter? Or do every tiny little decision that you make how affected are we by other people's decisions and how affected are other people by our decisions? When I was around nine years old, uh, I was on a va- family vacation somewhere. I do not remember where, uh, but I do remember that I was trekking through kind of a forest kind of place and I uh, came to like, uh, I call it a river, but it really wasn't a river. It was kind of like a stream kind of thing. And it, with all those uh river rocks and things like that where you really weren't t- walking on dirt but you're kind of like walking on little little boulders and things like that and I was walking along and I get across the 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 water and I'm going along and and I tripped over one of these rocks and and I fell and uh, you know when you fall you always look back and what you tripped on, right? And you, you always like wonder, I don't know why you do that. I, I tri- I've tripped on this stage so many times. And every time I trip, I look back. Yeah, it's still there. You know, I, I don't know why. You know, it's been there always. And, and I don't know if it would always be there. But we do that. And as a nine-year-old, I tripped over this rock and I look back. And then I started uh, thinking, well, how did that rock get there? And I was thinking, I wonder if somebody in the past took that rock and put it there. And, and, and I tripped over it. And then I was thinking, what if I move some rocks around? Maybe I will change the future somehow. Can I was nine years old. Actually, I still think this way, but <laughs> you'll probably accept it more if, uh, if a nine-year-old mind is working through this. And I started visualizing... Uh, this this uh, escaped convict running through the forest and coming across, and because of my strategically placed rock, that that he would trip over it and he would get arrested and justice would be served. So I I put the rock out, you know, strategically placed, and I was looking at it, you know, admiring my work, and then realizing, well, what if it was meant to be? back over there, and now this criminal is going to get away and cause all sorts of mayhem, and because of my action of moving this rock that, that I have put into place a whole bunch of course of events that are ultimately going to unravel the universe. And, you know, it, but it's hard to imagine, but that basically is, is the, the butterfly effect that, that each and every decision that we make uh, impacts something else. And sometimes we will never know the outcome. For example, we're driving along, and, and uh, when I used to live in Los Angeles, uh, there, uh, when you would come out of downtown and you were headed toward the valley, uh, I don't know why anybody would be heading toward the valley, but oftentimes I found myself heading that way, uh, 
basically in the, the brilliant uh, engineering practices of Los Angeles, they decided that uh, there would never be a need for more than one lane to exit Los Angeles to go to the valley. So basically, you had all these major lanes coming together and coming in, and everybody was jockeying for a uh, position to be able to get out of Los Angeles through this one lane. And um, unlike here in Tallahassee, people in Los Angeles don't necessarily let you in uh, if you need to get in. And uh, people, it almost became a game, at least it became a game with me, where uh, uh, the line would be really long, and, and I always waited in line and never tried to cut. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, I, you know, you come in, and, I, and, and different people had different games. Like my, my brother would uh, actually leave a little spot between him and the car in front of him. So the person trying to snake, that's what we'd call it, snake, uh, snake in and, and get cut the line, he'd think he'd have the spot, and then at the very last minute when the person was coming in, he'd rev up and close the hole and things like that. And that was one strategy. Uh, other people would just kind of ride the other person's bumper and kind of go hit the right part of the lane to, to make sure that nobody would get a little bit in and everything. I, I kind of did a, a combination of the two. One of my favorite things to do was... Uh, to when somebody tried to do it is send them to Pasadena. Essentially, what, what that would mean is Pasadena's up here and the valley's over here and you had to get into this one lane. And it would make my day. Now, I wasn't a follower of Christ yet, so don't, I've, been for, I've been forgiven for this, so don't be too hard on me. Uh, but what I would love to do, like it would be the highlight of my day if I could close the hole and, and send somebody to Pasadena. Because if you miss this exit to go to the valley, you had to go on the, you had to continue north, and, and it would take seriously about 10 or 15 more minutes to get back onto track. And I just thought, that's justice, you know. Uh, now, the interesting thing is, if you think about the butterfly effect and what our actions do, that, that those kind of things have consequences. In Los Angeles, one of the consequences may be you'll be shot. Uh, you know, another, but another consequence, maybe that it's not as severe, is basically the attitude of yourself and the person that you closed the hole on and sent to Pasadena. Uh, you think about it, somebody, uh, just hypothetically speaking, somebody is leaving Los Angeles and maybe they're pressed a little bit for time and uh, they want to go to the valley and uh, you close the hole on them and you make them go to uh, head toward Pasadena and instantly they've gone from being stressed and late to being really upset. Uh, that you didn't, that you made them do that, even though it was their own actions that caused this uh, course of events. I find no, uh, I take no responsibility in it. But uh, uh, but they're going there, and now they're in a bad mood. Well, what if you know they were trying to get to work, and uh, now that they're going to be late and they're and they're angry, and maybe they're the boss of of several people. And because that they're not well-adjusted human beings, they start taking it out on the people around them. And now, 
the, the people around them, their, their day has been soured because this person tried to cut in. They weren't allowed. They were made even more late. And then all these other people are upset. And going along, and maybe one of those people are headed you know, home, and maybe they're, they're taking the subway, or they're walking along, and there's somebody who is in obvious need. And it's within their power to help them. And, but because they've had a, a, a bad day, they decided, you know what, I'm not going to help this person. I'm going to just continue on my day, you know, and just do, you know, just take care of myself and all that. Well, that, that person goes without having their need met. And what if... Because of that, that starts a chain of events in that person's life where that may have hinged where they would be able to get re-control of their life or continue going down a track that ultimately led to their destructions and destruction. And as you can see, with this, this idea of our actions impact other people far more than we could ever dream, there's so many different paths that that we can go down. And when I, we're going to be over the next several weeks going through the book of Ruth. And the reason I call Ruth, uh, the, the series title, The Butterfly Effect, is there's so many things in Ruth that don't seem like they are going to change the future or make really a significant impact outside of the people making those decisions. But some of the decisions made in Ruth that seemed so small greatly impacted the future of the world. In fact, affect each and every single person sitting here today. In fact, every person in the world. And it just really got my mind thinking as we're coming out of this revolution series where we were challenged to, to make choices, to look outside of ourselves, look outside of our four walls, to care about and be the voice of those who are oppressed and, and to uh, go out and fight for the cause of injustice and fight for justice and these kind of things. You know, sometimes we look at these big things, but also looking at the small things, the small things that we do in everyday life. These kind of attitudes and things that we're, we're meant to do as followers of Christ that greatly impact the whole story of God. Now, the book of Ruth is, is, is more of, it's a narrative. In fact, there, I believe there's 86 verses in the in the in the book of Ruth 54 of those are just dialogue it's it's just people talking and so there there's no thou shalt nots in the book of Ruth there there isn't any kind of uh, Philippian 4 you know 413 you know through Christ Jesus I can do all things all all there's nothing you know that's going to be your life verse or anything like this but what we do get to see is how people respond and live through everyday life and how ultimately it brings redemption to the world. Now, I struggled with uh, just going through the story and letting it uh, 
unveil itself as we went along over the over the weeks or just kind of giving a broad summary right at the beginning so we kind of understand what we're going to be looking at and and I decided that I just want to give you a, some broad brush strokes here just so we kind of understand the whole concept of what's going on you see there's a woman who is central to the story and her name is Naomi now she is the mother-in-law of Ruth, the book is, is named after. And what happened was that Naomi and her husband uh, were Israelites. They lived in Judah, and, and there was a great famine in the land. So they moved away to a place with their two sons called Moab. And when they, they moved away so they could eat and all these kind of stuff, and while they were away, their two sons married two Moabite women named Ruth and Orpah. Now, somebody told me after the first worship gathering that Oprah was originally meant to be Orpah, but somebody with dyslexia in the, in the uh, medical office actually transposed the, the two letters, and that's why we have Oprah and not Orpah. That's just a free little side note, so you can know. So... Basically, you have this happy family, uh, everything's going to plan as normal, and, but then tragedy strikes, and Naomi's husband dies, and then Naomi's two sons die, and now we have three widows. And they decide that they are going to move back to Bethlehem in Judah. If they're going to be widows, that they might as well be around, or at least Naomi thought, I, I might as well go back to my hometown. Now, being a widow in the 21st century is extremely difficult. But this story takes place around 1000 BC before Christ. And being a widow then was not hard. It was almost impossible. That, that in, in that world, that, that if you were a widow and your family didn't take care of you, you were impoverished. You didn't have really a form of income. You had no security. So she decides to move back. And on her way there with her two daughters-in-law, she decides to release them both from any commitment that they had to her. And Orpah moves on, and, and Ruth decides to go with Naomi. Now, Naomi and Ruth get back to Bethlehem, and in their poverty, they, they are going, and, and they are making ends meet and, and making things work. Where when Ruth meets up with a man named Boaz. Now this is where the story starts to really get interesting. And again, this is just a real broad brushstroke of the story. You see, Boaz, and, uh, who is a descendant of Rahab, the prostitute, ends up marrying Ruth. And through their union, they have a child who is the great-grandfather of 
King David. And King David, we all know, ultimately produces that line results in the birth of Jesus Christ. And as you go back and you look at all these kind of seemingly small decisions, do we move to Moab or do we move to Canaan? Let's move to Moab. Do we do we uh, move back to Bethlehem or do we stay in Moab? Do you know Ruth and, and Orpah, do I stay with Naomi or do I go back and do I decide to try to get remarried in my own land? All you know, do I and then even Boaz, do I follow the biblical mandate of leaving some of my crops? on the field so the poor and the widows and the foreigners can yield them, or do I not? And as we go through this book, we're going to see that actions and decisions matter, no matter how seemingly small, that your actions and my actions matter. Every single one. And so many of us resist that, that thought. That our, our decisions really matter in the scheme of things because of the weight that is associated with that. That it is tiring and burdensome. And sometimes we just want to take care of ourselves and just do whatever we want to do and not think about the other people that it's going to impact. But the truth is that your decisions matter far greater than our minds could ever, ever really comprehend. Our attitudes, our decisions, our, our purchases, our giving, our serving, the people that we date, the things that we do in or don't do in our relationships. That all of these experiences and possibilities are much larger in the in the whole story of God. So what I'm hoping is as we go through the book of Ruth that we begin in a healthy way to feel the weight of what God has entrusted us with. So I want to pick up in verse 6 and this is after the men in the story have been put to rest and they're going to move back to Bethlehem. Verse 6. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. When with her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's home, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye. And then they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, 
Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, I were, if, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? That'd be quite a night, by the way. Would you, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods, and you should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, their entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she replied. Instead, call me Mara. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned to Mo- from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite women, woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. That's the beginning of our story. And, you know, the thing that I love about the Bible is it doesn't paint a rosy picture about its characters. It doesn't try to make them something that they're not. They're just real people going through life, trying to do the best that they can. And here we, we see that this is a very real decision. Do I, do I continue with my, my mother-in-law and by doing so probably never get married, probably always be a widow, or do I go back to my homeland where I have the possibility, I don't have any children, you know, I have the possibility to get remarried and have children and have security. This is the world that they were living in. And it's interesting, and you could probably imagine that Orpah and Ruth probably thought their decision really only impacted themselves. Their security, their happiness. And you know what? Orpah made a decision to go back to Moab and to live her life. And I read some scholars that took her to task for that, but I really don't think that that was necessarily the wrong thing to do. 
but it just was the decision she made. And because of that decision she made, she, she disappeared from the story of God. But Ruth chose a different decision, a decision to, even though she wasn't mandated to, even though she wasn't commanded to, she decided to sacrifice the most likely the possibility of her getting married and having security so that she could walk and be and do life with her mother-in-law. And even though her mother-in-law said, you're free from any commitment from me, that you're free from any obligation from me, I will go and I will do the best on my own. That Ruth said, no, I will go with you. That, in fact, not only am I committing to go with you, but I'm going to elevate my commitment to you to to, to a pledge in front of God to say, I will stand by you. And that decision, although to Ruth maybe just seemed like it was in between her mother-in-law and her, changed the course of the world. That the butterfly had just fluttered its wings. And it's interesting as I look at the character of Naomi, and i got to be honest with you, it's not somebody that I'd probably want to hang out with. I mean, she just seems like a real downer. I mean, you think about it, and she, she's like kind of self-absorbed here. and She's all, you know, that God has raised his fist against me and, and this kind of stuff. And, and it's just classic, you know, how she, she comes into Bethlehem and all these people are like, Oh, Naomi, oh, I'm so excited that you're here. Could it be really you? You know, and, and she has all, you know, she's just been given a lot of blessings. Yeah, she, she's had some hardships, but, but her daughter-in-law has committed herself to her, that she's got home, that, you know, people recognized her and were loving on her and, and excited that she was there. And what does she do? Oh, don't call me Naomi. Oh, the Lord has been hard on me. And, and it's kind of funny, the play on words. Naomi uh, in Hebrew actually means pleasant. And she decides to change her name to Mara, which I think was more honest because it meant bitter. And she was bitter that she was sitting there like, oh, you know, I, well, I left full and now I'm empty and, and, and just refer to me as, you know, as bitter you know, person and, and just kind of, I'm just going to be a downer, so you probably don't want to invite me to any of your parties or, or anything like this. And, and through this, Ruth is obviously a better person than I because she's like, look, I know this about your personality. I know that you're flawed. I know that, you know, you're not the most exciting person to hang out with. You kind of like sucked me dry, just the marrow out of my bones. But, you know, I'm going to be with you till physical death, even though it seems like death being with you, you know. <laughs> But she's made this commitment. 
And it's just absolutely amazing to me as we, we see this, just the, the interaction of, of the people and how doing the right thing and making the God-honoring call can radically, ultimately change everything. And the thing about the Bible is short-term happiness very rarely, if ever, produces the results that God has envisioned. You see, the, the life-changing, the history-changing kind of decisions, no matter how small they are, they are not based in personal preference or short-term happiness, but they are made in a long-term commitment to relationship, not only with God, but with those that God has put around you. And what I hope is through the, through the course of this, this story, that our sense of our decisions will be elevated. And realizing that everything that we do and every decision that we are faced with has been entrusted to us by God. And in our finite minds could never comprehend the infinite possibilities that every decision presents. You and I have more impact than we could ever imagine. Our reach is farther than you or I could ever imagine. That God has entrusted you with every small and large decision that you have made and make. And we as a people, we as followers of Jesus Christ have to elevate our decision making to yield to not from our desires, but to yield to the God of the universe vision for our lives. Let's pray. Dear God, I'll be first to admit it is exhausting to live with purpose, to live with intentionality. Many times I just wish I could do what I do and, and it doesn't impact anybody but me, but that is a lie. God, I just pray that you will impress upon each and every one of us the desire to honor you with every decision that we make. Let us see the blessings that you have entrusted us with. Let us be a positive influence in this world. Let us be the voice of the oppressed, bring justice to the unjust. Let us love greater than we could ever imagine. Let us love as big as you are. We used to love you.